0: Could emerging markets have a place in your portfolio? Here's what matters. Live from New York City, I'm Lauren Goodwin, and this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we bring you the best insights from across the New York Life Investments platform because we believe that by sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome everybody. It's the week of May 31st, 2022. And this week, Julia and I are both going back to our roots to discuss emerging markets.
1: The last time we talked about emerging markets equities on this podcast, I was your guest, Lauren, and that was well over a year ago, back in March, 2021, back in the olden days when inflation and full employment in the U.S. were not yet a thing. So very different environment and well worth checking in on emerging markets or EMs again.
0: Yes, and we can talk about EM in a very balanced way because we are neutral emerging markets in our portfolio right now. We'd previously been underweight, but brought this to neutral last month to reflect the continued commodity tailwind to emerging markets as well as the fact that emerging markets look cheap. It's trading at a historically large valuation discount to the S&P 500, meaning its valuation multiples, like price to earnings, are lower than in the U.S. And its price performance relative to the U.S. hasn't been this weak since the early 2000s.
1: Oof, those are big statements, especially since, as we talked about last week, we have seen a massive derating in portions of the U.S. market. And by derating, I mean that valuations have declined. So EM typically and historically trades at a discount to the U.S., but a key question for investors is if or to what extent that discount is merited. EMs do tend to have higher economic and geopolitical risk, but it's hard to make generalizations because it's a very diverse set of countries in the emerging markets
0: basket. That's true. And it's one of the things that I'd like to point out the most frequently because emerging markets are often treated as a complex when there really is this diversity that you're talking about, Julia. I think there's maybe one caveat to that, which is that there's one country that makes up over 30% of the emerging markets indices on its own, up to 50% depending on which other markets you want to loop in to it. And that is, of course, China. China has been a big point of controversy for a while now from an economic and market perspective, and it's affected how investors see emerging markets as a whole. So Julia, you saw that go down firsthand before you joined our team. So give us an overview.
1: Oh, boy. All right. Well, China is, you know, counterintuitively to those like myself with a Western and pro-market perspective, for more than a year, it has been attacking its largest and most profitable listed companies, all in the name of antitrust policy and another policy called common prosperity, which is meant to decrease inequality. So I think good objectively, but not good for those companies and definitely not good for investors. So between fines and policy, China has really destroyed hundreds of billions, if not trillions in value of these companies to the point where a lot of investors have questioned whether China is even investable.
0: Where do you fall in that debate, that question of whether China is investable? Because I I tend to think investors can't ignore China just due to its size.
1: Yeah, I still shake out that way as well. But I would definitely say that the, the trust factor between investors and Chinese policy is very low right now. And if you couple that with China's zero COVID policy of managing the pandemic with these continued lockdowns,
0: that policy has effectively wreaked havoc on Chinese supply chains, and it's constrained the government's ability to stimulate the economy and private consumption. So we have these big risks related to China, and maybe they're priced in. China looks cheap. It's derated rated from over 25 times price to earnings to less than 12 times today.
1: And it also offers an alternative to the American economic cycle, which we know is slowing. China is several months ahead of the U.S. and has been easing policy already for some time, just as the U.S. is getting into its real monetary tightening crunch led by the Federal Reserve.
0: This takes us to our portfolio pause, a segment of the program where we share an investment idea. And the big thing we want to highlight today is that a buying opportunity for emerging markets equities may be approaching, but our team is keeping a very close eye on when the time might be right for this.
1: Now, that might feel counterintuitive, even or especially to those who are familiar with EM equities, because emerging markets historically do prefer the type of global environment where growth is strong, liquidity is plentiful, aka financial conditions are very easy, and it's just sunshine and rainbows for everybody. But today is not that. Today we have a hawkish Fed pulling liquidity out of the global financial system. So listeners might be thinking that now is the time to stay away from emerging markets.
0: But here's where market behavior comes in. The market tends to price in changes at the margin very quickly. So it almost doesn't matter what's happening now it matters what the market expects. And the market's already been pricing in hawkishness from the Fed over the past six, eight months. So talk is now turning to when this will peak, likely prompting an adjustment in the markets. And so we may see and we do see this peak as being several months out still, but it could mark a peak for the US dollar versus global currencies and could present a buying opportunity for risk assets, EM included, even before that economic reality actually takes place.
1: Ooh, all right. So let me just pull out a point on the US dollar there quick. This was an old pet peeve of mine when I was in the emerging market space, because a lot of globally focused investors just say strong dollar, weak EM, and they imply that the dollar itself drives emerging markets. They imply that causation. And frankly, that perspective is valid, but it's a bit antiquated. It's from back in the olden days when emerging markets had a ton of dollar-denominated debt, and they had to follow the US policy Cycle accordingly because they were so dependent on the dollar. Today, that is no longer the case. What we have today is that yes, emerging markets do still tend to do better in a weak dollar environment, But that is about correlation and not causation, because both the dollar and emerging markets tend to be driven by the same global forces, namely global growth and liquidity conditions. And when the Fed tightens, liquidity contracts, growth tends to slow, and investor risk sentiment tends to sour. And that's when emerging markets and other risk assets tend to have a hard time.
0: So what we're saying here is that once we've passed that peak in monetary hawkishness out of the U.S., the light at the end of the tunnel emerges and sentiment could improve. That's exactly it. The market is always 10 steps ahead.
1: But I can't help but think about how this emerging markets trade might fare if the Fed does not manage the soft landing we're all hoping for, as in what happens to emerging markets if the Fed causes a recession because it has to hike so much to contain inflation domestically.
0: There's an old adage that when the U.S. sneezes, the rest of the world catches a cold, implying that if there's a recession in the U.S., the rest of the world better watch out. But that doesn't need to be the case this time around. The U.S. has had some pretty late cycle dynamics, like the tight labor market, that aren't shared by a lot of other countries. And so the emerging markets trade could potentially be even more beneficial if the U.S. has a recession that most emerging markets can avoid. Coming up next, the May jobs report comes out on Friday from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Given that the strong labor market is a key pillar of consumer resilience and inflation, we'll be watching this one closely. That's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. In the meantime, please remember to give us a like, follow, or review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our reviews at newyorklifeinvestments.com and click the insights tab. Until then, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Julia Herman. See you next time. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benemots and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I will now read our disclosures from compliance. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which may vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific date, is subject to change, and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or adopt any investment strategy. There's no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is both a service mark and the common trade name of certain investment advisors affiliated with New York Life Insurance Company. Securities are distributed by Nylife Distributors, LLC, 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302, a wholly owned subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company. Nylife Distributors, LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.